Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Today's guest is such a great fit for our 2024 theme of That Was Then, This Is Now, Design Your Own Next Chapter. Social and media pressures haunt us from our early years all the way through to our crone years. Even we, the wise women, are not immune. I was stunned to learn that recently the number of eating disorders in midlife women has increased dramatically. Nicole Christina can explain that fact, what traits define an eating disorder, and we discuss those social and media pressures that plague us, it seems, for most of our life. Listen in, too, for some great tips on how we talk to our grandchildren. So, end of January already. Did you make any New Year's resolutions this year? Learn a new language? Finally organize all those photos on your computer? Lose some weight? (laughs) That last one. I know a few women who have that on their list every year. I'm not sure why. If you haven't been able to do that any year for the last 10, chances are you need something new to focus on. Diets come and go with the tides, and some of them are pretty out there. We're mostly postmenopause. Weight gain and a whole bunch of other things aren't unexpected. I was quite surprised to learn, though, that this time of life can reawaken past eating disorders, even trigger new eating disorders. My guest today has been a psychotherapist for 30 years, specializing in eating disorders. Apparently, recently, the number of eating disorders in midlife women has increased dramatically. That startled me. We need to know more. Nicole Christina, welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. Thank you, Agnes. I'm delighted to be here with you. Well, you and I were just commenting on the fact that we're both bundled up because we're in these northern climes. And uh, (laughs) so we can uh, hopefully just relax a little bit here and enjoy this. I've got my hot tea and I'm I'm super I got fleece socks on. So I am ready for a great conversation with you. I finished my coffee, but I also have thick socks. on. (laughs) Nicole, let's jump right in. Why are eating disorders increasing in mid-age women? I would have thought we'd grown out of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is so, I I use the word overdetermined. There's so many reasons, and I think they'll make sense to you as I uh, start listing them. There's so much change and adjustment and transition and loss, frankly, in this time of life. It's kind of like, you know, uh, adolescence except 2.0, right? I mean, there's a, it's a whole shift in identity and um, that can be extremely unsettling. And there are a lot of other factors. Uh, Let me just throw a couple out there that make uh, midlife a prime time for people to develop eating disorders. Uh, We are kind of hitting the head with the fact that this party is going to end. And so we are starting to think about our mortality, particularly if we're uh, caregiving, you know, older folk, our parents. It's hard to deny that once our parents leave this earth, 
we are up next. And uh, we live in a grief illiterate society. We don't really speak a lot about grief and mortality, especially Americans. We just don't like that kind of downer conversation. And uh, so we don't have um, a good place to process that. But eating disorders gives us this sort of safe container to focus on and to make everything kind of measurable and clear. And so if we're having anxieties about our uh, loved ones aging, our own aging, our partner's aging, gray divorce, um, these kinds of things, other kinds of losses and adjustments. It is so, I mean, in some perverse way, it's a really elegant solution to make everything manageable. And, you know, I think um, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I know, you know, I'm going to have an eating disorder. It's something that kind of sneaks in and you're the boss of the diet at first. And then the diet or the exercise routine becomes the boss of you. And I think it's really helpful to think about this in compassionate terms um, that people are trying their best. This does work. It just has horrible consequences. So it does help you feel more safe. It does help you feel more in control. It does give you some container to kind of put your worries. The problem is, you know, it is the most lethal of any psychiatric diagnosis and it causes, it just wreaks havoc on our mental health, our physical health and our relationships. The other just little bit I'll put in there is if you happen to have a daughter or a granddaughter, as we're aging, our daughters are in their full bloom. Their skin looks beautiful. They're in their prime fertility, you know, uh, time. At the exact same time, we may be going through menopause or postmenopause, and we're saying, "Oh, that's what they mean when they say crepey skin." Oh, that's you know, like okay, now I'm understanding the peach fuzz all over the face, or any you know, the menopause pause middle. So it's a terrible <laughs> timing, but it can really uh, lead to uh, women. I, I mostly work with women saying, oh boy, it is time to do something drastic. And of course, we know that there's a lot of lovely feedback to be had when women might lose weight um, in the beginning, of course. And then they'll get this feedback like, you look great. What are you doing? What's the diet? Tell me their secret. Who does not want to be celebrated and uh, sort of fawned over at this age when oftentimes we can feel pretty invisible? So there's so many reasons. And I sometimes think it's it, it's astonishing that we don't all have eating disorders <laughs> and we live in an Instagram culture. So, you know, enough said. Okay, I always come to these conversations with notes and you've, I'm just going to scroll down the page. Um, <laughs> no, uh, the couple, well, a couple of things is, first of all, I think I always considered eating disorders something to do with diet. 
But as you were listing all the other things that happen, I have to admit, I crashed and burned when I turned 60. And I didn't expect to. It was like, for me, it had always just been another birthday. But I woke up that morning and thank goodness I had a dependent because I didn't even want to get out of bed. And that shocked me, really shocked me. Now, you know, I obviously pulled myself out of it. Um, and now 10 years later, it's kind of fun to say, oh, yeah, coming up 70. <laughs> you know, that sort of Hard. thing. Hard. I mean, even if we're hip, rebellious, sassy women, which I consider myself, because you have to be if you're in this, you have to be challenging these messages. I'm a social worker. So we're all about like, what are the cultural messages? Who's benefiting from telling me I shouldn't have, you know, hip? or thigh who 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 ultimately benefits but i will say that even as sort of aware of these powers and these structures and all of this that aim to keep women small and obsessed about their bodies i too was like what is going on with the back of my arms you know i mean it is you know i think if we're really going to be truthful as aware as we might be and as rebellious and as whatever, it's the world we are swimming and we're living in this world. And to say, it's like saying advertising doesn't affect me. Well, really? Because first of all, you're wearing a Gap t-shirt. Second of all, if it didn't work, companies would not spend millions and millions of dollars. So we, you know, we try to be exempt, but Unfortunately, you know, we're humans and we're also marinating in all of this uh, messaging. Well, I used to say that if I didn't look at, like Jane Fonda at 18, chances were I wasn't going to look like Jane Fonda at age 50 or 70. But you're saying all that social pressure is still there. Oh, it really is. I mean, Jane Fonda, I don't know if you've seen her recently, but mm -hmm. she looks like a, a doll. She's had so much work and she's had her own struggles with eating disorders. Yeah, no, I think that's that's absolutely right. I think part of this is the acceptance of, hey, this is real. I mean, I am experiencing ageism and I, you know, I feel invisible and this is what it's like. And so you want to think about fighting the ageism, right? Not yourself. Um, and I have a, a an example of this. I um, I have a friend who is just, just a stunningly gorgeous woman. I don't know if you remember Isabella Rossellini, but that's what she used to look like. She got a lot of attention because she's just a beauty. Well, as she aged, she found that she was not getting attention for her looks anymore. And she found herself in the grocery store. She sort of noticed that this gentleman was flirting with her. And she thought, wow, boy, do I miss this. This is the best kind of catching the eye, kind of flirting, kind of smile. She said, this is wonderful. Until she realized it was actually the woman behind her. And it was, you know, she was not in the picture at all. And for women, and I think for men too, but for women who have had a lot of attention from their physical appearance, this could be a much greater loss than regular people who have, developed other skills and talents and feel confident about other abilities. Um, but if you've been a beauty in, in, in um, sort of uh, uh, standards, you know, the regular, the usual standards of cement symmetry and all this stuff, 
and you lose that, that is a tremendous loss. And, you know, I see that with my clients. I guess I think of people, I mean, some of the most amazing women out there, if you're looking at the, the public eye, you know, Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, Candace Bergen, Whoopi Goldberg, they've all gotten thicker as they've aged. And yet we seem to ignore them and still focus on the genetically or cosmetically lean women. Mm-hmm. Ageism. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's lookism, it's ageism, it's it's all of that. I mean, we are, and, and social media has made it so much worse. If you read any of these articles now that are coming about out about what it's like to be a teenage girl, I, for one, it was bad enough when, you know, when I was coming up, but it's so difficult and stressful and it's just so toxic now with this is, you know, with TikTok, this is what you should be looking at. This is how you should be. I mean, you see these girls and I know it's the style, but I was in um, a department store, you know, getting some stupid thing cleaning or whatever (laughs) and i i saw this girl she was sitting kind of squatting down looking at something a young girl with false eyelashes i'm like you're putting glue on your eyes for what why what are you doing you know so there is this formula of what is attractive and the girls of course want to follow it i mean i remember when i was in high school Everyone needed to have Adidas, right? And so they were more expensive than the regular. And I begged and begged and begged. I have to have Adidas. I have, well, that's a little thing compared to I have to have cheekbones that look like this or long hair or weigh a certain amount or, you know, it's just, it's never ending. You and I, before we hit record, we're talking about the number of episodes we have on our respective uh, podcasts. And I will admit that sometimes I will bring a guest on who, you know, it, it doesn't really pertain to us boomer women. We bring us to us boomer women. <laughs> I had to think about the grammatical correctness there. And yet it could pertain to either our daughters or our granddaughters. And we need to be prepared. We need to know how to recognize something and then what to say to help and not make it worse. That's such a, that's such a great point. And, you know, we don't, it's so touchy. And I'll give you an example. If you say to a woman in recovery, you look healthy, you might as well say you look like a fatso because healthy is not what they want to hear. Or you look like you, you know, oh gosh, you look so much better. You gained a few pounds back. Terrible. And I, you know, it doesn't make sense to us. Like, no, I'm complimenting you. You were looking so awful. And, you know, so we don't want to go in that direction. What I would do just generally is you focus on what they can do, not what they look like. So you were so clever in figuring out that problem or you can do a Sudoku. I could literally not do a Sudoku if 
you know, my life depended on it. Or that was, you know, that was ingenious or that was clever. That was funny. So, you know, with boys, we always say, oh, wow, you know, you can run really fast in those new sneakers. And we say, oh, honey, your hair looks so pretty. You know, I think just being mindful of, is this about the daughter or granddaughter? Is this about her appearance or her character? And so, you know, saying things like, boy, you really stuck it out, even though you were frustrated, you're, you go, you know, um, those are the kind of things that kind of help a girl develop a sense of identity that is around her, her skills and her talents and her gifts, not whether she is an adornment for, for somebody. Oh, does that, absolutely. And as you said that, I went, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, people really do that. Yeah. <laughs> you're so pretty or you're so cute or your hair looks, or that dress is so pretty. Okay. So my mom or my dad put me in a, that says nothing about me. You know, uh, you could say like, you're really, you got a lot of energy or you're a great, you know, whatever you, you know how to, be with your animal you're really gentle with your your puppy and you you know you're that's a very different kind of feedback um and i think it's you know for all of us when we see i remember a story about this woman who had written a book and now i'm forgetting all the details but it was like you know the goal of her life and it was a very well received book super smart she gets off the stage she you know she presents it and all people want to talk about is you've lost a lot of weight and it was heartbreaking you know she just thought i i can't even have this conversation it's so devastating to see it so clearly like that that's what i want to talk about that's what i want to know about that's what's most important yeah years ago i had a uh, a wellness business and I did have someone come to me with eating disorders. Uh, she would purge. She was also anorexic, you know, sort of all over the map, excessive, oh, excessive sure. exercising. And yeah, it, it came as a real jolt to me that I could not as much time and energy as I spent thinking about her. I, our, our logic was miles apart poles apart. there's yeah. no logic well, not as no well there no was logic. to her but <laughs> right it, it's her own lo- but no, not for us but you'll be also pleased to know i told her to stay with her uh, her psychologist because i wasn't qualified to go there i just didn't know how to handle it and hearing you speak it was like yeah i wouldn't have known how to handle it for sure it's very dangerous and i always have a, a nutrition dietitian and the physician on board because they need to have weigh-ins, they need to have their blood pressure monitored, they need to have their heart monitored. This is, you know, we we can get pretty scary pretty fast. And um, I think that was really smart of you to say, this isn't what I'm trained for, um, but maybe after some recovery, you can come back. <laughs> Let's back up the bus a little bit. Give us a definition. Well, if there is a definition, what is an eating disorder? What qualifies as an eating disorder? Well, there are several types of eating disorders, and I think it would bore you to tears for me to just recount them like two times a week, this many calories, da, da, da. But 
but let's just do this. Let's say the way I think about it is how much time are you spending on something that has to do with eating food, your body? How anxious are you about what you've eaten and what you're going to eat, what you should have eaten? How much room in your brain? And a really good example is, you know, over the holidays, are you really having anxiety about sitting down at the family table because you may not have a chance to run, you know, a bunch to compensate? Uh, what if people see you eating? You know, it, I see it. It's really about uh, your resources, your internal resources. How much time are you spending? Is this getting in the way of you doing things? Things. And here's some examples. Can't go with my uh, lovely girlfriends to have a um, a lunch out because I don't want to eat from the menu because I don't know what they fry their, you know, chicken in. I don't know, you know, and it might be something that's on the off list. And so we were cutting off some social stuff. Can't go to the beach with my girlfriends or my family because the, I'm not going to be seen in a bathing suit. So these are the kinds of things. And if it gets really severe, if we're um, having problems with bulimia and purging, can't go to that restaurant because that bathroom is not private and I can't, you know, I can't throw up uh, without being detected. So it really starts to shape how you relate with the world. Can't host Thanksgiving this year because I don't want to be around that many desserts. I know that I'll lose control and, and have a piece of pie. So we can't have Thanksgiving at, um, at our, our house this year, but we have it every year and we have the biggest house and the biggest table. I can't do it. We're going to have to, you know, do something else. That's an example of when your concerns about weight and body and food are running the ship. And it's a horrible, horrible place to be. And I still haven't learned how to tactfully answer when somebody on a plane or whatever will say, you know, what do you do? And I say specializing. Oh, I wish I had an eating disorder. I still haven't learned how to feel that in a way that's not snotty <laughs> because I say, no, you don't. I mean, it is hell. And, you know, uh, you have these lovely, talented women saying, I know I just won an award for my uh, poetry, but I had a donut this morning and I can't stop thinking about it. I was so bad. And I think, wow, what a, what a prison. I'll add, yeah, a little story to that. When I had my wellness business, um, I was also doing grocery store tours and for a local chain. Oh, cool. And the number of times that I'd be in picking up my own groceries and I'd bump into somebody who'd been on a tour and they'd go like, oh, oh, Agnes, I, like I, I never buy chocolate bars except today I bought this chocolate bar. And I'd go like. Like you're the well, police. And I'd say that like, oh, is that like, hi, Agnes, how are you doing? You know, like I, I'm, I'm looking at you, not your <laughs> cart, first of all, but I really hope you enjoy that chocolate bar. And I hope you taste it and delight in it and buy the best quality chocolate that you can afford. And it is a lovely, I mean, who wants to live without chocolate? Well, those I are don't. exactly the words I would use for both chocolate and cheese. 
of course and you know it's so funny I think about Janine Roth who's a writer and many of your listeners may have heard um about her uh, and she talks about like listen at some point you are not going to want to eat any more Ben and Jerry's it just doesn't taste good it doesn't feel good there is a limit to how much cheese your body is going to agree to same with chocolate I mean you'll get kind of heartburn and acidity you know it's delicious and then you know um, something more savory is going to be much more appealing. It has a place. Just thinking about your conversations on airplanes, et cetera. Uh, I do want to circle back to, maybe this is a good response for you. At the very beginning, you said it's the most lethal form of, yes. can you go there? Can you touch on that for just a moment? Because I would have thought. More people die of eating disorders than any other you know, mental disorder, period. That is absolutely shocking. And why, why is that not getting the press? I don't know. I mean, that's a well-known fact. That's why it's not that easy to find clinicians who want to treat eating disorders. When I uh, do collaborations uh, with nutritionists and doctors, it's often not compensated. So it's a lot of time and energy and frankly, worry. Um, And in the days when we went COVID, you know, you are worrying about so you can't see them you see them telehealth and you think boy i hope they're you know you can't really get as much of a feel um when you can't see someone uh, in the flesh to see if they're walking like they have energy or to see if their pants are you know literally falling off of them that's well known and unfortunately some of those are suicides um because as i as i noted earlier it's a horrible horrible way to live and once you know once it it's entrenched it's pretty tough you know to get out from under many people with eating disorders also have a trauma history so you know that's an important part of the treatment Uh, many have been sexually abused that's another part of the treatment and you can imagine if you have been a victim having um, a trauma to your body, why it might feel really good to say, I'm going to, um, I'm going to have control of my body. I'm not having white sugar. I'm not having white flour. I'm only eating steamed organic vegetables. You know, there's this kind of almost like a purification. So it's quite complicated and, and it's quite heartbreaking and it's not easily treated. So, you know, Clinicians don't often jump into it uh, as as sort of their first first choice. Maybe I'm just, you know, I I went to a grad school that was very woman focused, and I'm a social worker, as I said, and it's all about what are the messages that we are given, and that that really fit for me. I think we all know people who never touch white sugar, uh, will not eat anything that's white, basically a white carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. How fine is the line between being a little OCD about things and an actual eating mm-hmm. disorder? Yeah, and I'm going to go back 
um, at the risk of sort of beating the dead horse, is it making you drive 90 miles out of your way because the restaurant that your family wants to go to uses white flour in there? You know, how much is it driving you crazy that every time you go to your family's, you know, extended family, friend, whatever, they uh, make a quiche and there's white flour in the crust? How flexible can you be? Can you say, listen, I know white sugar is crap. I mean, and I'm going to limit it. I don't, it's not good for us. And there's a million, you know, I'm not a big white sugar fan. However, uh, I made a pumpkin cheesecake for Thanksgiving because I love pumpkin cheesecake. I scale back the, the, the sugar a little bit because it's always too much, but it's a sweet. I mean, it had white sugar in it. Um, I enjoy the hell out of it. And I'm not going to make one tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. You know, I might make one for Christmas. We'll see. But the point is like, is there any flexibility in that? Is white sugar like arsenic to you? Or is it like, you know what? White sugar is implicated in heart disease. Can't There's a lot of stuff. So is a lot of other stuff. And it's okay. You will live. And the anxiety about the whites might be worse for you than actually eating the donut. Well, at some point in time, I want to get together with you and you can make your pumpkin cheesecake because I'll bring my pumpkin chiffon <laughs> pie. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. I love, I love cheesecake. And, you know, I, I don't eat it every day because then it wouldn't be special. But you know, it's just like, how shall I say? It's like most of the time I can stop from scrolling Facebook, not all the time. And sometimes I get caught up in scrolling. Is it good for me? No, but I'm also human. And I think if we put these, these crazy uh, limits and then we fall off. What happens then? We hate ourselves. We say we're failures. We're, you know, that just doesn't make sense. And it's not sustainable. So I'm a big fan of Kristen Neff and her self-compassion theory about, yeah, that that wasn't a great choice. I'm not going to have, you know, like, let's just say you had cotton candy at a fair. So, yeah, that's not great. My teeth don't like that. I probably won't do that for a while, but it's not like now I am, it's a federal case and I'm a sinner because I had sugar. It just doesn't work, you know, beating ourselves mercilessly. It's just not a productive way to change behavior. When you said cotton candy, my teeth went. <laughs> I know I haven't had cotton candy in a long time, but my son oh. used to like it. Yeah, no, that that's not for me. That's not. But like they, they're, they're having this little oh. sweet thing in my town today where um, they we're going to walk around. I know there are going to be luxury foods and goodies and sweets, you know, and I and I just don't want to live my life saying, I'm sorry, I don't eat white sugar, you know, so am I going to eat the whole pie? No, but whatever they're serving, you know, I'll eat and. Um, I played tennis last night, so I, you know, it all kind of evens out. It's fine. <laughs> Trying to be normal. Trying to be normal. Okay, so if a woman does seriously feel that she needs to lose some weight, is there ever mm -hmm. a time for pharmaceutical help? And I ask that question because, of course, there's been a whole bunch of press around Ozempic lately. 
Oh, has there ever. I just put up a podcast about Ozempic. Yes. You're okay. So let me just say I am biased and I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. Um, So you're going to hear it through the filter of my experience. How shall I say this in a, in a, in a way that doesn't sound completely hostile. Um, there's a lot of problems with Ozempic and what, what, whatever the other one, I, I, I forgot the one. You have to take it for the rest of your life. And I think what a great model for when you're selling something that you have to take it for the rest of your life, right? And when I talk to my guest, who's an expert in nutrition, especially around midlife women, she said that the amount that you lose is equal to the amount you would naturally lose if you cut out processed foods. So I'm not a big fan of pharma. I think some people need antidepressants or that some people do need that. It's helpful. Thank goodness it's there. But it is absolutely overused. It's hugely a a moneymaker. And um, I have real problems with that. So I guess I would just say if you think that you need Ozempic or your doctor recommends it, I would just do your due diligence Do And also the side effects are horrible. There's nausea, there's vomiting, there's diarrhea, you're po- poking yourself in the stomach. I mean, it is not pretty. Um, so, you know, I can't speak for, for people who are pre-diabetic or diabetic and who need to lose weight um, and that's the only way, but boy, it is just being sold to the masses. And I have a, I have a real problem with that. I think we need to look at our food system, which is completely corrupt and, uh, really start thinking about what are the simple and nutritious foods I can eat that I can prepare without having to do anything too fancy Let's try that first. Let's get a little healthy movement in. It doesn't have to be a marathon. It can be, you know, just a, I call it an aesthetic walk. Um, Let's try like the wholesome things first before we start getting into meds. My opinion and the opinion of people who, uh, you know, that I know who are uh, study this. Okay, so I'm going to go from pharma to, there's an app for that. How do you feel about the apps that are out there that track your exercise, they track what you eat, they track your heart rate, you know, there's Fitbits, there's Apple Watches, I don't know how many other things there are out there. My, I kid my husband, he has a, a one of those and he says, oh, my Fitbit told me I slept well. And I'm like, if I told you that you slept poorly, you know, who would you believe? Or, or, you know, like, don't you know that? Isn't that something you can feel without chat? <laughs> I sort of get a little bit uh, sassy about it. I am not, I'm training to take a very long walk in Spain with my tennis friends. We're going to walk part of the Camino and I'm frightened because it is a long day and I'm a walker. So what I will do is check 
after I do a nice hike, I'll check my mileage yeah. just because I'm trying to gain mileage slowly. Again, back to how much is it, you know, running your life? I mean, I have a, a, a friend who will take a walk in the woods. I live in a really beautiful part of the country and she's always like, okay, a mile. Okay. We've done. Okay. 5,000 steps. Okay. And I'm like, I'm looking at the birds here. Why don't you get on your Merlin app and tell me what, what, what the birds are that we're hearing? I don't find that to be health promoting. Again, it's, it's a, it's that rabbit hole of obsession. And does that mean that if I only walk 2,500 steps, I'm a loser? I, you know, what, what does this mean to you? And again, you know, if you didn't have your Apple watch or your Fitbit, would you be able to enjoy your walk? And I'm a big proponent of walking in nature, breathing and reminding yourself where you are and being present with nature, beauty, your dog chasing a squirrel, whatever. I saw something in the New York Times that cracked me up the other day. It said, this is a new thing. Walk, silent walking, meaning you don't have your AirPods in or you're, I'm like, that's a new thing. That's what I always you know, so that's what I, it's, it's, you know, nature's very healing, being outside's very healing. And um, so again, it's, it's like, is it, is it in charge of you or are you, I mean, the, it's really cool. Some of the information, I guess, has helped people um, if they've been having a heart attack, it calls 911 and all this stuff, or that if your gait is uneven, it says maybe you've had a stroke. Use that sparingly and thoughtfully. That's my, you know, I guess my best advice and do things that bring meaning and purpose and joy in your life. That's really healing. Happy people are more healthy. You reminded me of my every Saturday morning because there's a group of four of us that climb. Well, we call it a mount. It's it's called mount, but it's it's not. It's only fifteen hundred meters, a kilometer and a half, but it's quite steep, and it is a road, so that helps. There's no. It's not a trail, uh, and there's one. Well, the two fellows actually, they have their timer and they're on a mission, and the other woman and I, we say, go for it. If we keep up, we keep up. If we stop and admire all the ferns out in the forest, that's what we're going to do. And just wait for us at the top. <laughs> Beautiful. And I told my my women friends, my tennis friends, and they're like hyper athletic. I said, we're all going to the same B&B. &B. You know, I'm going to be bringing up the rear. I'll meet you there. Yeah, it's exactly. It depends on what you're going for. I mean, I feel like they should just jump on a treadmill. Why are they, you know, you're missing so much to not see the clouds and to hear the birds and to make a note of your footfall and to smell that peaty, earthy smell. I mean, it's like a spa out there. And, you know, I, I just feel like we're missing out on a lot of that. And our body was evolved for that. We could uh, flog that one to death, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so let's look at menopause. A woman is in her mm. late 50s, maybe older. She knows yeah. she's gained 15, yeah. 20 pounds. We're going to say she's mm -hmm. healthy. So her heart health, her strength, her okay. stamina. What should she do? Should she do anything about the weight? 
I love it when I make a guest pause to figure it out. Yeah, it's not often that I'm speechless. I don't think you should never want to lose weight. I mean, for example, I'm a tennis player and when I'm lighter, I get around the court better it, it, and my knees are happier. So I don't think it's like, oh, never, you know, do that. But there are ways to do it. And it's the theme of our discussion here. The first thing is you've got to cut out the processed foods. And I think for most of us who live in this world, that will be really helpful. I was talking to this nutritionist who said it's it's not that we're over, we're not overnourished, we're undernourished. Um, so that, you know, I would really focus on delicious foods that are healthful, like, you know, I made a turkey soup from the Thanksgiving carcass and I put, you know, yummy stuff in it and it has collagen and all the veggies and all that good stuff to focus on what's really a delicious fuel for you and to leave out the stuff that is, um, uh, uh, cooked in really cheap oils, like the soybean oil, the grapes, any seed oil, we know we're in trouble. So I would focus on, you know, the healthy fats and all that, and then see where you land. Because otherwise, the next step would be restricting. And that will, you know, that causes problems. And it and it makes people grouchy because they're not, they're hungry, you know, or maybe they haven't had enough fat. So now all of a sudden their hair's kind of dry and their skin's dry and, you know, all of this. So I think there are things that you can do if you want to drop weight, but there are things that are good for you overall. And from my experience and from interviewing dietitians and knowing dietitians, it's really about focusing on anti-inflammatory, really delicious, fresh foods. All right. You make it sound doable. I won't say easy. It's doable. <laughs> it's got to be delicious. I had this client once and I always use this example because it just cracked me up. And she, you know, she belonged to one of these like Sam's clubs or BJ's. I don't know if you have that in Canada, but these enormous uh, and everything's, you know, huge, huge, huge quantities. And she said, oh yeah, I went to Sam's club and got my case of Greek yogurt and I don't know, I was a little distracted. And she said, yeah, there's like 50 containers and I got my yogurt. And I just sort of offhandedly said, oh boy, you must really like Greek yogurt. She said, no, I hate it. She said, but it's got a lot of protein and it's good for me. And I, there's a lot of stuff out there that has protein that you don't have to eat something you hate. It's supposed to be satisfying find something that's delicious eat some nice smoked salmon <laughs> you know so I just thought that was such a great example of like trying to override our senses to eat something that's good for us and you know I just um I I would ask yourself what are the foods that you love what are the fresh foods and then uh, really focus on those eating healthy fats, your avocados, your olive oil, and uh, to get rid of the, the garbage um, oils would be a really great first step. 
I'm going to go totally out into left field here too and say that out of 50 containers of Greek yogurt that she got at a greatly reduced price because she was at Sam's Club, how much of that will she throw out, which is wasting money, and we won't discuss the environment, that she could have bought something that she preferred in a smaller quantity that she would eat all of and absolutely absolutely what's it say to yourself about so you're eating something you hate it's like you know there was a time when cod liver oil i guess that's back now but like no it's good for you well there's a lot of stuff that's good for you can we do something in a, can we make this beautiful and delicious and nourishing why do we have to make it painful? There's enough pain in the world. I want something beautiful and bright and and colorful. I don't want McDonald's that's all beige, salty, and and there's it, it just doesn't taste like food. So that's you know that's kind of my thing. <laughs> I, I I talk about like I interviewed Evelyn Triboli and she is the queen of intuitive eating and she was such a hoot because you get her on diets and you can see the (laughs) smoke blowing out of her ears she said she had gone to uh give a a keynote up in like iowa or something and they had a very famous bakery there and so she decided after she gave her talk she was spying this like carrot uh, muffin or something so she just cleared everything no computer no book she got this gorgeous looking uh cupcake or muffin and she had her coffee with her and she just enjoyed the hell out of it and that may means you don't want 10 more right because you're sated you're like that was delicious next thing now it's time for me to watch a movie go for a walk read a book whatever so she fully immersed she goes, don't even bother me i'm eating my cupcake no phone calls, no nothing. She just wanted to enjoy every mouthful of this artfully um, made cupcake. And it was delightful. And then, so now, now she's not saying, oh, I ate a cupcake. Oh, I, you know, she really enjoyed it. And then she went on with her life. And I just was imagining her at this, you know, bakery, like, don't talk to me. I'm, you know, I'm eating my cupcake. <laughs> Okay, I I do have one more question, but you've just allowed me to beautifully segue into the fact that you are the online face of zestful aging. (laughs) I think you've just been telling us what zestful aging is. Is there anything more to say? People love the story of hunting pythons. Did you see that one in the Everglades? Oh. I'll just tell you really briefly, because it's it's uh, in a lot of my interviews. Uh, I went to play tennis in the senior uh, games in Florida, and um, I decided that I had followed this woman who's in her early 60s, grew up in the Everglades, and was heartbroken because these invasive pythons were eating all the mammals. And I mean, all of them, like 99%. They have no predators. They're huge. They're you know, and they're just destroying the ecosystem. And she's very environmentally minded. And I asked her if I could shadow her going into the Everglades at midnight hunting pythons. (laughs) So 
watching your express the madness they're like what is what is wrong with you i don't i can't explain it i just was an adventurer and i she, i was so taken by her anytime you see a pbs nature documentary donna khalil is the face of women going into the to, to, she pulls them out some of these are 18 feet long they are constrictors but they have teeth so if she doesn't get them quite right they bite her and there's facebook pictures of her with blood coming down and i'm like oh donna you are just such a badass so after my tennis which i failed miserably at because it was like 95 degrees i was just try not to faint. I drove down to the Everglades and I went with her. You have to go at midnight because that's when the snakes come out. And I stood behind, um, she has a, an SUV that she's decked out. And so it was this huge lamp looking for snakes and it was quite a rough road. So I was getting <laughs> had bruises all over my hips. Um, that they had just made it. So we didn't see any pythons, but we did see other snakes and the night hawks are flying. I mean, it was an amazing experience. And she did say, usually I have volunteers here, but you're the only one here. So you might have to hold a tail if we get one. I thought, oh God, please. No, 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 no. I'm just a podcaster. I'm not a her herpetologist or whatever. So that's as that's kind of my most dramatic, zestful, crazy thing. But I I feel like time is ticking. Time is precious. And I just want to live and do things that challenge me, not in a way like I'm not a skydiver, I'm not a scuba diver, but there are things that I'm interested in and in pushing myself to try, like walking on the Camino, which I'm afraid of. It's 15 miles a day. I, I'm you know, it's going to be hard, but that's, that's kind of my thing is to really try to be curious, be engaged and, and, and live. So I don't have regrets at the end saying I should have done that. I should have gone there. I should have, you know, uh, learned about that. So, um, that's, that's my, uh, that's my thing. Okay, I'm going to tell listeners that I probably gave Nicole the same look I gave that lovely young man from the Galapagos last month who said that wow. he ran tours of the Galapagos, but also into the Amazon where we could find spiders as big as my head. And I'm sorry, I just went goosebump again, even telling you about that. It's just... <laughs> I would not like that. I wouldn't like the no, pythons that either. Me. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know... Yeah, I mean, you. I don't. I'm not about like making myself terrified, but I am about pushing it a little bit. Saying like, you know, you're this party's going to be over, and um, I just want to make sure that I, I live, sort of suck the marrow out of of life in in whatever way I can. I'll join you on the Camino. <laughs> I would love that. Okay. The one question that I, I did just want to touch on briefly, is there ever anything that we haven't talked about for midlife women um, on this whole healthy, zestful aging that you want to, you want to say? I, I guess what I would want to say, and I'm curious to hear your take on it, because you've talked to a lot of really interesting guests, is there's a groundswell. I mean, women are like, 
Uh, we're here. We're not going anywhere. And I just had a talk with Ken Dykewald, who's this big uh, aging expert. He said the, the future's female. There's no doubt about it. When we look at the demographic, you we know that we're living 30 years so longer. Men die five-ish years um, before women we're going to have a shift like we've never seen before. And I, I guess I want to offer that to women who are listening and, um, and just remind them uh, that we, we need everyone, all hands on deck. We got a lot of problems to solve. And I think that this world needs our wisdom. Um, so please, uh, you know, um, bring yourself to the, to the table and don't worry so much about if you had a donut this morning. Um, I'm really big on the wisdom of the older woman. I also have a bit of a catchphrase that says, I'm basically at the age where I'm, I'm not going to fix the world. But I'm quite happy to be a role model for the next generation of women who will <laughs> fix the world. <laughs> I love, I love, I just got chills. I love that. I mean, I want, I want people, I want women. And I have some, I don't know if you've looked at your analytics, but I'm like, who are these 20 year olds listening to my podcast? Um, I think they're aspirational and they're saying, yeah, that sounds cool. That's how I want to be when I'm in my sixties. So um, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. Where do we find you on the world wide web? Ah, the World Wide Web, just zestfulaging.com. If you're interested in, in learning more about eating, I would totally look for Evelyn Triboli. She, T-R-O-B-O-T-R-I-B-O-L-E. You can search that interview. It was actually a couple of years ago when she uh, re-edited her famous book, Intuitive Eating. I have another one that was just recently... Uh, on wellness and you, Peg Doyle talks to me about Ozempic. So you'll see peppered in um, my, because this is what I do, you know, peppered in all of the different variety of people I talk to, definitely stuff about mindful eating, intuitive eating, um, sort of sensible eating, non-diet culture stuff. So have a ball. There's a lot of freebies also on my website. I was going to say, you know, you have the course or you have courses. You have the you have the podcast, which it's all linked on your, I'm looking at my other monitor here. It's all linked up there. And uh, yeah, no, Thank that's you. good. And you're on social. I am. I, I, I'm a little bit, I don't know how this is for you. To me, social is kind of soul sucking and I'm not that good at it. So um, I, uh, I'm mostly on LinkedIn now um, because there's such a group of really cool women doing, you know, aging stuff. Um, so we kind of bounce, bounce around. I'm, I'm a little bit less, I mean, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but I'm not one of these people who posts, you know, six times a day. It's just not, it, it, it just sucks my, yeah, it's, I can't do it. I'd rather take a walk. <laughs> We have that in common too. There we go. Yay. And pump and pumpkin <laughs> desserts. Go. Before we close, the pumpkin desserts aren't personal enough. May I ask you a personal question? Of course. On your about page, you're giving treats to an yeah. interesting beast with a pink halter. Is that a llama? It is a yes. 
It is in northern New York in the Everglades, not ever, I'm sorry, in the Adirondacks. I wanted to do something special for my podcast anniversary. And I thought, I don't know, I like animals and, you know, weird stuff. So I contacted this woman who has a farm and uh, she's has a whole bunch of um, animals. And what she does is she lets you take her, the llamas for a walk in on these beautiful trails in New York. And it's very therapeutic for people. So I thought I'm going to go up and see Aunt Finney. And it was a brutally cold day in Northern New York, but we did get to walk around and they have uh, great personalities and very long eyelashes. So that was just something I did to celebrate an anniversary of the podcast. And I, it was my five-year anniversary. And I thought, let's do something silly. And well, I, I just switched over <laughs> to the page here. And it does look brutally cold. But you also look oh. so happy. <laughs> I'm in my, uh, I'm in my happy exactly. place, you know, fun animals doing something. She was an absolute delight. Um, and she has all kinds of groups come out and they actually, it's a therapy um, for them that these animals are really gentle and lovely and it, they go on these trails and it's just a, a really lovely experience. Um, and so that's what she does. Oh, okay. It's also... Yeah. I was wondering too if you just had this this creature in your backyard or something but <laughs> no no my dogs would not uh, tolerate oh, okay, that yeah I can identify with that <laughs> <laughs> okay anything else before we wrap it's just been such a pleasure speaking with you Agnes I I, I feel we're very like-minded and I, I just really appreciate the chance to um visit with you today and and speak with your audience well, thank you. okay so basic housekeeping here is website link is in the show notes all of your links appear on your page at our website listeners if you have thoughts on today's show please talk to us leave comments where you're listening or if you're listening at the boomer woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there or what question did I not ask Nicole? Ask it in the comments and I'll get you an answer. The usual, leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow and share this episode. If you're like me, you haven't considered the fact that another mid-age woman could have an eating disorder. And the fact that eating disorders are lethal, like especially that lethal, that, that stunned me. Uh, anyways, this conversation with Nicole could well be just what your friend needs right now. Nicole, Christina, thank you for being my guest today and opening our eyes to a potentially dangerous habit and for your encouragement to live zestfully. My pleasure. <laughs> Have a great rest of week.